right, welcome to the Browns Wire podcast. This is your host, Josh Keatley. With me this week is actually Adam Moore. Last week we were dealing with some technical issues. Uh, Adam and I actually were BSing about the undrafted free agents for what, 45 minutes last week? Yeah, we we recorded a whole ass episode, or we we thought we recorded a whole ass episode. We sat here and talked to each we other did. for a whole ass episode. We did. Okay, so <laughs> so I know for a fact that we recorded the first the first segment, and then the something happened where one of our computers crashed and we had to re-record. Now I can't promise you that I pressed the record button the second time, so that might have been just me being an idiot. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Although I don't think so, I'm not a hundred percent certain. But the first call, I'm a hundred percent certain I recorded because it said. You know, I had the timer. Yeah. Does it make sense? Because remember, yeah, yeah. I wrote, I said, oh, man, that sucks. We made it to this point or whatever. Uh, and then I got frustrated and just recorded by myself. Turns out I only got to talk for about 15 minutes before I realized that I did need Adam because I talked too fast. But it went all right. We talked about a lot. Of, I talked about a lot of the undrafted free agents. I think I, I remembered or covered basically everything you said. I covered yeah. the Benny LeMay argument uh, compared with Darrington Evans and all that. That was pretty, pretty much the only argument we really, we really had. Um, you were also a much bigger fan of, oh, my gosh, the, the defensive end from Sacramento State. O- Obina. Obina, yeah, you were a bigger fan of Obina than I, Obina than I am. Uh, but overall, I think we, it was a pretty good rundown of the undrafted free agents, all fifteen of them at the Brown sign. This week, Adam and I didn't prep at all because honestly, uh, I've missed a. It's been real. It's been real crazy on my end. My life has been real crazy. That's my. That's all. This is all my fault. Plus, we're not even sure if this is gonna uh, record because right now I'm getting. <laughs> is that poor connection thing popping up on your end too? No, that popped up for me last week, but I'm good now. No, that's not that's not a good sign. It's popping <laughs> up saying that there, there's a poor connection. It's not saying it's my fault, Adam. Yeah. I stand I by that. I still think it's Adam's fault because he lives in Urbania, Ohio. <laughs> Urbania. Urbania. That's where the little Giants Urbania. play, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Actually, oh, man, I was just reading something about – Ah oh, man, I can't remember now. All right, whatever. So let's move on to a couple topics we we briefly talked about before the podcast <clears throat> about the Antonio Callaway news reemerging. Antonio Callaway is reemerging in the news, Adam. Now I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but there is a thing called COVID nineteen. What? Okay. What's that? Yeah, yeah, man. The, I believe that the layman's call it coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. So that and that was a huge reason why. The XFL shut down, right? You know, it, uh, all accounts show that they were selling seventy-five percent of all the all of the available tickets across the entire league. Um, they sold out of pretty much everything on every, in every gift shop in the stadiums. Uh, they were doing fairly well, fairly well. Uh, but the Corona, you, 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 a league like that can't survive without fans in the stands. So they did end up folding. I think that they go up for sale like next week or next month or something like that. So there's a chance that they come back. I know that with when it came to the World Football League back in the 70s, that multiple t- the, the teams, I think the USFL did this too, multiple teams would file for bankruptcy, and then they would just restart under new names. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, for instance, I believe, and I, I'm grabbing this out of thin air. I know that that happened, uh, but I'm grabbing this example out of thin air. But you'll see, like, a lot of USFL teams or WFL teams that had very similar names, and it was because they – they couldn't. They sold that. They filed bankruptcy, and they basically sold to another seller with a very similar name. It was basically a roundabout way for these teams not to pay their bills. That's why you see a team like the the New Orleans Breakers, or I think they were the Orlando Breakers first. Then they became the New Orleans Breakers in the USFL. Uh, Arena Football League teams were were 
notorious for doing that. You can actually YouTube. Uh, there was a big story where the Portland Thunder, after they moved, I can't remember where they moved to, but they left the port the Portland arena and they didn't pay like half the workers there, and they just filed bankruptcy. And the exact same team opened up shop the next year in a different state. Like that happens a lot. So there's a chance, a slim chance that the XFL comes back. But whatever. Let's get back to the Antonio Callaway thing. Vince McMahon fired Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck is now suing Vince McMahon for wrongful termination. Now, to fight that, Vince McMahon was forced to bring a list of justifiable reasons to fire Oliver Luck. He released those re- those reasons today to the U.S. District Attorney of Connecticut. Uh, and then amongst the first reason was obviously that all, he believes that Oliver Luck butchered the coronavirus situation. Uh, one of the reasons was also that he was using the company phone, his company iPhone, to make personal calls, which would <laughs> infuriate me, Adam. I don't know how you feel about using the company phone for personal calls, damn it. If that's a fireable <laughs> offense, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. Well, I think it's it's re- we've really – the last time we, we've heard about a high-profile athletic uh, you know, staff member getting busted for using the, the, their – their phone for public for personal person personal reasons was was it Hugh Freeze who's hiring hookers at Ole Miss? <laughs> there was a Patino was a Patino at Arkansas. I can't, one of those SEC schools. Yeah. One of those SEC schools had a head coach and he was using his his company's cell phone to hire hookers or escorts or whatever. But anyways, yeah. The, but the third reason was Antonio Callaway. Vince McMahon stated that Oliver Luck signed Antonio Callaway for a, a, a large sum of cash. His signing bonus was $125,000. Now, if you guys remember, the average salary of the XFL of XFL players was like fifty grand. So his signing bonus was like three times the league average, right? So not only and he Vince McMahon touted this league as not bringing in players that had a troubled past. As you know, most Browns fans are going to remember Antonio Cali. One of the reasons why he fell to the fourth round in the 2018 draft is because he had a plethora of issues off the field, ranging from sexual assault to drug possession, um, you know, just a whole lot of issues. But so he's claiming that Oliver Luck never told him about Antonio Callaway's background. On top of that, Antonio Callaway tore his ACL before the first game. So the XFL is also on the hook for paying off his medical bills. So Vince McMahon is saying that they've wasted way over six figures on one player due to Oliver Luck's negligence. So I thought that was pretty interesting. You don't you don't see his name pop up anymore, Antonio Callaway. That is. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's interesting. You, I mean, you you said a lot. I don't know if I have a whole lot to add to that, Josh. That's a, it's an interesting situation that's playing out. Obviously, as we as we speak, I, I you know you're you're kind of shedding some light, you know, for me on the whole situation. But yeah, that's interesting. Dude, you know I love it. I love alternative football. You know that. Bro. Oh hell yeah, you yeah. Know it, you know it, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, you know it, it. I think Antonio Callaway. We can pretty much call him bad luck at this point. He's Absolutely. ruined John Dorsey's career, and yeah, <laughs> now the career of Oliver Luck. Now, and it's funny too because when they hired Oliver Luck to run the XFL, because the big issue with the AAF, if you remember, they had a bunch of guys who didn't have any experience running the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, um, gosh, damn, Heinz Ward, Troy Palomalo, I think, was involved. Bill Polian was really the only high-level person involved, but he was never a commissioner. He was only a GM. Uh, Oliver Luck was actually the commissioner of the a- uh, the NFL Europe. A lot of people remember that, you know, the early 2000s, late 90s, Kurt Warner, um, Adam Vinatieri started out in the NFL Europe. Again, I don't know if that's really like a success story, though, because the NFL Europe did end up folding and no one really watched those games. Uh, but at least, he, you know, I think it did help make that league more, make the XFL more reputable. But who knows? Maybe it'll be back. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it did. Hopefully it is. I think obviously we've we've talked on this podcast numerous times with a couple of different guests about how beneficial that league is. Is you know more as a, like a farm system or developmental league for the NFL. You know, giving these guys that are fringe NFL players a chance to really get on a team, get some reps, and really kind of develop into a player that can make that jump into the NFL. So, you know, obviously there's a need for that type of league. I don't understand why we can't get one figured out uh, from a financial side, obviously, with the uh, the American Football League or whatever that was two years ago and now with the XFL uh, having financial issues. Hopefully, you know, they can work something out. I don't know if they need to just file bankruptcy and restructure. Yeah, who knows what all that what all that will, uh, you know, end up being. But hopefully there's some some kind of spring football. Because, I mean, I think it, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I think I thought, you know, their TV, their television numbers were were good. They were better than they thought they were. I felt like there were people in the stands of these games. Absolutely. The product was good. I, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I, hopefully this can all work out. It was just really unfortunate timing with uh, with the pandemic coming through right in the middle of that season. Yeah, I think that's the real issue. I think that this one was actually going to last – um, they had a pretty good structure. It's just that, that what are you going to do about the coronavirus? It's just it happened. I mean, they did get they had about 15 players, 20 players signed contracts, including Jordan Tayamu and obviously Philip Walker. So I think that that was exciting. I don't think the AAF had that many. Um, but, you know, it, I mean, it is what it is, but we'll, we'll keep moving on. Uh, but yeah. in other news, talking about another alternative league, we talked about last week, we talked about Nathan Rourke was drafted by the BC Lions in the second round. Adam and I had the opportunity to talk to Nathan about his journey from Ohio to NFL draft prospect. Unfortunately, he didn't get picked up by the NFL, but again, he did get a second round. He was selected in the second round by BC. Um, I don't know if you've been following like the CFL Twitterverse or if you've been on the website, but they're already talking and hyping up Nathan Rourke as, as the future in BC, which I think is really awesome. It's really cool. But here's the thing. I don't know if you saw this, but the CFL asked for basically a government bailout. Yeah. Okay. They asked for a loan from the government. So that's definitely not great. Um, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens. In my eyes, I don't see why the government wouldn't help them out. They've helped them out before. I mean, I know we talked about – I mentioned the World Football League earlier in this podcast – the, can, the government has always done a really good job of protecting the CFL, um, going way back to the World Football League. Um, this will connect this to the Browns as well. They actually wanted to have a team in Canada. I believe it was the Toronto Northmen, and the government said, nope, this is CFL country. Get your ass down south. So <laughs> because it actually – I wrote an article about this a couple months ago because Paul Warfield, Larry Sanka, and Jim Kick – left the Miami Dolphins to go sign a contract with the Northmen of the World Football League. And then by the time they played, they actually played for the Memphis Southmen because the Canada actually kicked them out. So the government's always done a pretty – and they've, they've done that periodically um, throughout the existence of the CFL. There's been no arena teams up there, nothing, nothing – there's been nothing up there other than the CFL. So I would assume that the government will help them out, but – you know, hopefully that season goes on because, you know, we've talked to uh, Austin Feniger, who's mentioned that he's got multiple clients up there, uh, including guys that have played for the Browns, like Austin Ryder and uh, um, Javante Dean, who, who've gotten experience in the CFL, then come down south to the NFL. Um, you know, and obviously there's still some good talent up there. So hopefully that season gets rolling. Hopefully this won't delay this. And hopefully that that's another league that won't go bankrupt. Yeah. When they, they play during the summer, right? Or when, yeah, when is the league? Their seasons typically kick off in July. Okay. Yeah, so we got a couple of months. Obviously, we're, we're kind of cutting it close here. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I'm not following what, what Canada is doing as far as the coronavirus is concerned and what regulations or what, what, what uh, you know, 
you know what the what steps they've taken to really kind of you know prevent the spread i don't know if they've limited gatherings obviously in the nfl you're having you're starting to have the discussions about when can we get these teams back together to kind of go through rookie minicamp to get into our offseason programs i you know we're, we've only got <clears throat> what six weeks until july is upon us so i don't know if you know if we're going to have the time to be able to put that kind of that work together as these you know to kind of to bring these teams up to speed and ready to play but yeah, man. I mean, that would be a, a huge bummer if uh, something happened to the CFL. Yeah, that's and that's not a league that can survive without fans in the stands. Um, but I get, you know, I get. I guess we'll see. But I mean, I guess that's really all I have to add about the uh, the alternative football. Yeah, absolutely. We can, we, we, we can talk about the NFL now. Yeah. Although I, I do want to add, Adam, I, I I've been doing some uh, dabbling on the old eBay, and I did get a Marcus Merrick autographed usfl card so i do want to throw that i'm super <laughs> I'm super proud of myself yeah and as you know marcus merrick is the uncle to joey and nick bosa still oh, still God. i believe Merrick marcus Merrick is still the career ta- tackle leader i think he's still the career tackle leader in ohio state history but regardless just thought, thought i got i got a big old heart on when i saw that on ebay so i snagged it <laughs> You and you and your memorabilia, man. I, and I, I pulled out my. I actually went to my parents' house the other day and pulled out all of my old, uh, old baseball, football, and basketball cards. Oh yeah. Kind of go through them and just kind of see what I had. It's been it's been twenty years since I've looked at them, but yeah, it's it yeah. I mean, it's give me something else to do, I guess. Yeah, maybe you got something cool in there, man. Heck yeah. Heck maybe yeah. you got something cool in there. I love I love with the with the Jordan thing coming out with the Jordan yeah. documentary. The la- I love that's that's how little I know about basketball. I just call it, it's I mean it's the last dance. Everybody in the yeah. world's watching it except for me. But uh <laughs> everybody's whipping out their old Michael Jordan basketball cards, thinking that yeah. each and every one is worth a million dollars, not yeah. realizing that they made seven million. He's the most popular <laughs> player in the league. They made a thousand billion of those. I mean, come on, yeah. idiot. Right. They're everybody's yeah. doing that. I love it. But uh, moving on, you wanted to talk about the schedule a little bit, huh? Yeah, we just haven't had – you know, I, I don't know when it came out last week in, in relation to when we recorded, but we just haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. So I didn't know if there was anything, you know, you wanted to run through, obviously assuming that we start the season on time. You know, Cleveland's set to open up at Baltimore on September 13th. Uh, but, yeah, I just was yeah, – I wanted to kind of get your opinion on the schedule. What, uh, what, what are you looking forward to? You know, what do you, what do you think uh, this year? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I did write an article recently. It was actually the day after the schedules came out. It was the day the schedules came out. Six games that will make or break the Browns season. You mentioned the Baltimore Ravens in week one. Uh, I put that in there. I don't really – I'm not super strong about that. Uh, I basically put that as a combo with their week uh, 14 game against Baltimore. They got to win. They got to take one game from Baltimore. The yeah. first week they're in, they're in Baltimore. I think that that's highly unlikely that a first year head coach with, you know, a team that's just trying to find their groove with, a, a, you got to figure a rookie left tackle is going to beat the reigning MVP. And, you know, in an offense that is as high caliber as there is in the NFL in a week one. But I do think week 14 in Cleveland on Monday night football, is the perfect time to strike. If they're a good team, if the Browns are fighting for a playoff hunt, you're you're like I said, you're late in the season, you're at home, you're in prime time. That I think that's a big, big game. They need to win one against Baltimore to show that they belong, to show that they are making progress. If they don't win one against Baltimore and you're looking at a Cleveland Browns team that's in the basement, there's gonna be a there's gonna be some big turnover as far as that roster goes. And I don't I don't wanna I'm not gonna be extreme and talk about Baker Mayfield like that, but Let's be realistic here, man. When a new regime comes in, the new regime wants their new guy, and if they can't, if they can't prove that they belong at the top, 
I, you know, I don't know what to. I, I don't know what next year's going to bring. Uh, and I guess that brings me to the game <clears throat> also against the Bengals. They play week two against the Bengals on Thursday night football. That's also at home, and they also play in Cincinnati in week seven. But obviously, week two after they get after you figure the Browns lose to the Ravens in week one, they really, really need to pound the Bengals into the dirt on Thursday night football at home. That That is going to be the first step to showing that this is an okay team, a solid team. I'm not expecting the Browns to go to the playoffs. I'm not expecting them to win the Super Bowl. I'm just expecting them to compete for a spot in the playoffs and compete and beat every team. And they need to show that they're better than the Bengals, dude. They really do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it'll be – I'm obviously I'm looking forward to that game, as I'm sure you are as well. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. I mean, for week one, have you seen the spreads that came out? Baltimore opened up as like an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I thought that was a lot of points. That is a lot of points. Have you hammered it already? No, I haven't. I should, though. I feel like I should. I don't know. I, it, I'm not going to bet this early. A lot of injuries and stuff could happen. Yeah. And if the if you're if so if you're gonna take that bet, this is a good conversation. I'm glad we're having it. If you're gonna take that bet, you're gonna take the Cleveland, right? Because that's a lot oh, of points. yeah, yeah. Week one, sure. that's a lot of points. Okay, well, who is gonna be more affected by an injury, the Browns or the Ravens, by one player? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on obviously it depends on which player. You know, if Miles Garrett gets hurt, yeah. that's a huge deal. If Lamar Jackson gets hurt, that's the biggest deal out of all. Okay, what what what's a bigger dude? But if if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, they got RG three to go in, who's not terrible, and then they're going to hammer the the ball to Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and throw out three yards, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just I don't I don't see there be if 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 Baker Mayfield goes down, the backups Case Keenum, and that's okay. I don't feel like that's bad. But if OB, OBJ and Jarvis, if OBJ goes down, now Jarvis Andrews becomes your number one, and now that wide receiver, the wide receiver group is not looking so hot. If Miles Garrett goes down, we've seen how terrible that defense is, is without Miles Garrett. You know, yeah. if uh, if Denzel Ward goes down, like he had, he had he was bumped and bruised last year. Those defensive backs are not good. You know, I, I don't think that the Browns are totally screwed if Baker Mayfield goes down or if Nick Chubb goes down because Cream Hunt's right there. You know, if obviously one of the tight ends go down, I think it's a huge deal. But I think that the Browns are more apt. First of all, they have I feel like they have more injury played players, and I feel like they're more apt to feel the hurt from those injury played players. Plus, it's a first year head coach. Yep, that's the big unknown. First year head coaches. I I tried to do some research on that. It's pretty split. Some first year head coaches have you know are, are very successful. Others aren't. I, I think it's really highly dependent on the on the situation that a first year head coach is walking into. I personally think you know Stefanski's walking into a really good situation and a really good locker room with a lot of talent. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a lot out of this Browns team this year. I think they're a team that's going to be able to compete, win eight, nine, ten games potentially. So you know, as long as everything you know everybody stays healthy and, and the kind of you know the card the cards you know fall in their favor, the dice fall in their favor. Uh, but yeah, I mean this is a this is a team that can really compete. I think the back half of this schedule. Is going to be really interesting for them, especially when you're going to start talking about whether or not you're going to be able to get into the playoffs. They got uh, their last what eight or nine games. They got to play Houston, Tennessee, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. You know, that's four out of eight or nine games there where you're playing playoff teams or teams that are used to being in the playoffs. You got to, you got to pull off wins in a few of those games if you're going to want to get into the playoffs this year. And what what weeks what weeks are those? Uh, I don't have the weeks, but it's uh, Sunday, November fifteenth, right after the bye week. They're playing Houston, and then they yeah. play Philadelphia. Not not as big of an implication. Obviously, going to be a tough game, but not as big of an implication as far as the AFC Wild Card or the, or the AFC North is concerned. Then you got at Jacksonville. Um, by all by all intents and purposes, Jacksonville is 
I think they're I think they're completely trying to tank this season. That's my opinion based on what we've seen out of them from like a roster building perspective this offseason. NFL teams do not tank. Okay, they they're don't. not tanking, they but they're not trying don't. as hard as they could. They could have signed Dalton. Yeah, they didn't. You know, they they could have signed Cam Newton. They haven't. Why uh, would they do that? Why would they do that? They're going to let Minshew they're going to see what Minshew meant. Why would they bring in someone to disrupt what might be Minshew magic? I, I don't I don't believe in Minshew. I don't think he's the long term answer. I but don't you think, don't you don't think, know what they believe though. That's my I, point. I know, but I I just don't think any I don't I just don't think any sane person could think that you look at Minshew and say okay this is the guy that's going to be our franchise for the next ten years. And they're I mean I, and I don't have an issue with what they're doing, but they can't they can't uh, throw Minshew out there. They traded away Nick Foles. They can't throw Minshew out there. They didn't sign Jameis. They had a chance to sign Jameis. Uh, they can't throw Minshew out there and expect to win very many games, and I, that's kind of what I think they're going to do. They, you know, they could have traded up. I, for one I'm of not the saying you're. Backwards. I'm not saying you're wrong. Okay, it, but I, I do, I do think it's it's premature. To, I don't. NFL teams just don't tank. They just <laughs> don't. These guys. The window is much smaller. People are more impatient. There's no. It's not like the NBA where you get if you get a guy like Zion Williamson. You you get tw- I mean what there's five guys on the court dude so if you get one good guy that completely transforms your team the NFL is not like that they don't do that I mean even the Dolphins everybody said that they were tanking last year bro they weren't taking they mm-hmm. met, they they won against the Patriots at the end of the year I think that the Jaguars have a vision do I think that Minshew's the future in Jacksonville no do I think he's a very solid quarterback I do do I think that everybody you named is better than Minshew hell yeah but if I'm the Jaguars. I'm going to see what I got because also if we were having this conversation last year, neither you or I would say that Minshew would have the year that he had, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, who's to say? Everybody thought that's for sure. Hell yeah, he did. Hell yeah, he did. Yeah, and I'm and not saying those. I actually, years. I did say he was solid. I it was yeah. much higher in him than everybody else for the record. Well, you yeah, you're, you're but even a, then, even uh, then, I would never expect. To, I mean, he just he exploded. He did way better than anybody would expect it. Yep. But they, you know, if you look at what the Jaguars did in the draft, they, they had two first round draft picks. They went on the defensive side of the ball both times. Uh, I think they, I think they're trying to solidify the defense, and I think, I think, you know, they'll probably try to grab one of the quarterbacks next year, whether it's Lawrence or Fields or there's a couple other guys that uh, that are that are going to, you know, depending on how their year goes, are going to have are going to be in the conversation there in the first round next year. But uh, yeah, that's just my, they're trying to trade Leonard Fournette. Uh, I don't, you know, I I don't dislike that but i i just i think it just it signals to me that they're building for the long-term future and not trying to optimize their team to win now i would um, agree with that so. I, they, they i would believe i agree that they are rebuilding i don't think that tanking is the right word i think rebuilding sure. is better i also sure. don't think that nfl teams i think there's this misconception out there now, now that we've gone into the age of analytics and highlight now that we have twitter everybody is constantly I just I feel like there's more hype on quarterbacks every year, right? We always look, yeah. okay, those guys are but we don't know what's gonna happen to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Field. Those guys, I think they're first round court quality quarterbacks as well. Same with Jamie Newman. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you got Dylan McCaffrey coming up. Uh there's there is a, a couple quarterbacks, KJ Costello, Costello, Mississippi State. I mean, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are viewed as number one and number two. Okay, but anything could happen. I mean, Joe Burrow this year was a fourth round quarterback pretty much by everybody. And that yep. would be high, right? I mean, I can you can name quarterbacks from years past that were all supposed to be on that Trevor Lawrence plane. Christian Hackenberg, dude. Christian <laughs> Hackenberg was on that same level. Um uh, Matt Barkley was on that same level. Uh 
uh, Keith Price from Washington. You remember Keith Price from Washington? People had him as a first-round pick going into his senior season. That dude didn't get drafted. It was a third stringer in the CFL for three years before he hung it up. Same same spectrum. The only guy that I remember vividly living up to every inch of his hype was Andrew Luck. That's yeah. really the only guy I remember doing that. Yeah. But regardless, back to the schedule conversation, I am glad you brought up Week 10 and Week 11 because those are two other games that I highlighted in my article. Because um, like you said, Week 10 is coming – it's coming right off the bye, yeah. right? And they're playing the Texans, so I think we both agree. We've kind of, This is a team that you and I have disagreed and argued about in the past, but we, they've, been, they've been in the playoffs every year. They're mm-hmm. consistently in the AFC South race, so this you, we can expect this team to be another good team. Right now, again, they're probably on the downturn. They trade. It doesn't. It, no one's really quite sure what Bill O'Brien is doing there, kind of right. similar to what we're talking about the Jaguars, but they're still going to be a good team. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. They, yeah, they do a lot. So if they can come off a bye and beat the Houston Texans, I think that says a lot. Then you ride that momentum into the very next week with another solid team. And the Philadelphia Eagles, again, the Philadelphia Eagles, this is another, a team that was ravaged by injuries last year, and they were still in the playoffs. They were still a very yeah. playoff caliber team with a good quarterback. That I think that that's a pretty pivotal stretch, right? Right. We'll see what happens right after that bye week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then after Jacksonville, you got to go at Tennessee. We saw, you know, obviously the Browns opened – with Tennessee this past season, everybody knows how that went. It'd be a, a nice little redemption for uh, for for the Browns if they can pull that off. And then then they got Monday Night Football. You get, you you mentioned it versus Baltimore. That's going to be a huge game. Maybe there's a lot of AFC North uh, implications with that game. And then in in the season on January third at home versus Pittsburgh, you know that that could that that game could mean a lot. Yes, it could. Half, you know. So yeah, it'll be really this back half of the schedule is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, ho- hopefully the coronavirus thing calms down and we can get them into the facilities and you know yeah. dealing because I do think that out of all the teams in the AFC North, the Browns suffer the most from this coronavirus issue. The expectations for the Bengals are fairly low, um, so I don't think anybody is going to be mad if they go 0 16 again. I mean, they're ready to pull that the coronavirus excuse right out of their pocket, but the Browns. I don't. I don't think they can do that. They got to do something this year. So this needs to end, and they need to be able to get in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. They need to compete this year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> but yeah, man, what do you think about like? Um, I saw we can we can kind of you know switch gears here, talk a little bit about Ohio State. I saw Oregon is thinking about backing out of the game in September. I, I saw that. I don't think they're going to be able to. I don't think. I do. I think they're. I think people are overreacting. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, are they going to have to? Sw- they. I could see them possibly coming to switch it up and coming to Ohio State instead. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Ohio State's the bigger university. They have money. Ohio State can can play this season without fans and not lose money. I don't know if Oregon can. And I'm not trying to bash Oregon. I don't know their financial situation because there's only like 25 football teams that actually make money playing football so this will be it college football will be weird it'll be a weird weird swing it'll be a weird time um that now that's a spread to monitor we talked about that a couple times this offseason because ohio state especially with this coronavirus thing coming on what they got the returning quarterback and the returning i mean I, they should just de- demolish oregon from what i'm yeah, thinking from what i'm seeing yeah, I agree with you. I thought I don't know if I don't know if it maybe it was the governor of Oregon or some something along those lines said that they, you know, wouldn't have gatherings for they wouldn't open their open everything back up for another three months. If that's the case, obviously, 
you know, that game's in serious jeopardy, probably almost a guarantee to not be played if, if that's the case. Then I also saw obviously California, Los Angeles, you know, they're, they're being, they're taking this thing to a complete uh, other level in my opinion and, and well beyond what is necessary and, and shutting down the economy. And uh, the, the, the mayor of LA pretty much came out and said, we're not going to open back up until there's a cure, which that could fucking be, you know, a year from now, who knows? Well, whoa, 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 Adam, you're getting passionate. You're, Dropping f bombs, you're getting political. Everybody's <laughs> logging off. You're getting passionate. You get too passionate here, Adam. <laughs> but here's here's where I'm going with this. So USC is scheduled to play Alabama in week two. We're scheduled to play Oregon in week two. If Oregon and USC back out, could there potentially be an Ohio State Alabama game in week two this year? No. Wouldn't that be sweet though? That'll never that'll never happen. Alabama, I dude, I can't remember the last time Alabama I guess if I guess if Ohio State wanted to play at Alabama or yeah. in Atlanta. Dude, I can't remember the last time Alabama played any non SECs. I can't remember the last time Alabama ever left the South. I yeah. can't. Even their big games are in Dallas. Right. Atlanta. You know what I mean? I don't that's just eh, it's never, I don't think I don't really have an issue with them can canceling all non conference games. To be honest with you, that's not a bad idea. Just making conference games, making making their more conference games, so the SEC would actually have to play nine conference games, like every other, you know, Power Five conference. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I Cowherd was he tweeted out something that they're serious that the Pac-12 is seriously considering spring football, and there's been some talk about that um, in, in some of the national media outlets. I I don't think there's any chance there's spring football. Just because, I mean, it would just be so disruptive. If you're a senior, if you're a guy that's eligible to go to the NFL draft, no way in hell are you playing in spring football, interfering with the combine and the whole draft process. You know, if they if, if they don't play this fall, they should just cancel, you know, cancel their season. Yeah, they just need to adjust it. I don't think they're going to – I don't – I don't think they should postpone it. They should just cancel a couple weeks and move on. Make it okay. Yeah. Hey, every this is our backup plan. We're playing conference games, and then you move in there. You you're playing six conference games. You're, I mean, it doesn't take. Do you know what I mean? I think we all know college. There's not a whole. There's some parity, but there's not a whole lot of parity, right? We know who the top four teams in every conference is. So we play six games. If a team like Purdue runs the table, congratulations! They're in the Big Ten championship, or maybe you do a conference tournament instead. Yeah, you know what I mean? After after a couple weeks based off of, I don't know there's a couple different options you have but you're right those guys aren't going to you can't do spring football I mean even even the supplemental draft which is coming up uh next month and I think that's in July too uh that's yeah. it's going to be weird man it's going to be weird. this be might be the biggest this might be the biggest supplemental draft we've ever seen the supplemental draft the last star we saw from the supplemental draft was Josh Gordon. Uh, I guess you can make an argument that Terrell Pryor as well. But the supplemental draft, you know, back in the it's more was more prominent probably in the eighties. You're looking at Bernie Kosar, Chris Carter was a supplemental draft pick. That's just not something people do now. But this might be the yeah. biggest one we've seen, depending yeah. on how everything shakes out. Yeah, wouldn't okay. Think about this though. I, I really like the idea of of eliminating non conference games, but if you don't play non conference game, you know those non conference games are so pivotal of of kind of like, you know, a lot of non or a lot of Power Five. There are a lot of Power Five non conference games like last year Auburn and Washington played obviously, but you know if you don't have those games to compare conference to conference, it's really hard to to be able to tell how good a conference is and thus how good a team is for winning in that conference. This Why? would be a perfect opportunity to expand the playoffs here. Would you disagree? 
Well, let's I, see. I, I, I could see that. I could see the, the expanding yeah. the playoffs. I don't think eliminating non-conference games has anything to do with that, though. The non-conference games really offer you nothing, right? Because you're talking, okay, you talk about Auburn and Oregon. Okay, well, Oregon was winning the whole game the entire time until literally, literally the last five seconds Auburn won. Yeah. Okay. That was, again, again, that was a neutral site game that was pretty much at Auburn, right? <laughs> and that's pretty much how all neutral site games, that's how from all your big Power 5 games, all right, our neutral sites, which are all down south. Okay, first of all, second of all, Oregon isn't isn't prepping to beat a team like Auburn. They're prepping to beat everybody else, right? So it's almost like that's not really part of the gauntlet. Okay, everything else is the part of the gauntlet. Honestly, I think that I mean, look at if you look at ninety percent of your non-conference games, they're a complete joke, anyways. Because you talked about Oregon and Auburn. Well, yeah. Auburn. That they went on and played like UT Martin the next week, who doesn't even have the same number of scholarships, right? Or Louisiana Lafayette or South Carolina playing Appalachian State. What does that really do for me? Run your gauntlet, run your conference. Where are you at your conference? You get to move on. Does that make sense? I don't, I have no problem with them expanding the playoffs. I think that that's a cool idea. I think that's a good idea. I just don't really see what the non-conference games offer me. They don't really. They're fun to watch, but they don't really. They're not really. There's not really a whole lot of substance there. I yeah. think that's why you see a lot of people get mad at the fact that the SEC only plays eight conference games because even playing playing Purdue mm-hmm. every year is worse than playing a team like Duke at a conference, right? Just like playing Duke every year is worse than playing Purdue at a conference, right? Even those those teams are similar because they know you. Duke knows Florida State. Duke, Florida State knows Duke. Those kids grew up together. They're getting recruited together. They play each other every year. I think that the conference games are – Running through your gauntlet in your conference to me shows me more than what you do in some fluke game that happens once every you know ten years. Okay, but could you make the argument that if Oregon did not get beat by Auburn, that they were the fourth seed in the playoff last year? And so, outside of the Oregon game, they lost by three to Arizona State. But other than that, they they won every game and most of them pretty convincingly. Yeah, but they, they didn't. They they had they had a late didn't they have a late season collapse at Utah? No, they beat Utah. Did they win the Pac-12? Yeah, yeah, they beat Utah thirty-seven to fifteen. They smoked Utah. They smoked right. USC. They beat USC fifty-six to twenty-four. They got beat by Arizona State. There you go, and that was late season. Yeah. So, but yes. that's what I'm saying. If, if they let's say you just they didn't play Auburn at all, there there's a real real chance they were the number that, four last year. That that doesn't matter to me. If I'm on the committee, that doesn't matter at all because when they lost Arizona State. Oklahoma whooped up on what was it Baylor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Baylor, no Baylor whooped up on Texas, and then Oklahoma whooped up on Baylor in the in the Big Twelve championship game. So Oklahoma kind of had the vengeance thing coming on. They beat the team that they lost to. So to me, I was like, I was in. Does that make sense? Yeah. But okay, so let's say if all if Oregon would have beat Auburn, then do they have a a a more legitimate you know contention to that number four seed? So they let's say they all, Oregon goes eleven and one or twelve and one or whatever it was last year. Their only loss was by three points. Arizona State fluky game, but they beat Auburn. They beat Utah. They beat USC. Is there a real is there a real discussion about them getting into? The oh playoffs? hell yeah! Well, there's a discussion last year. There's still a discussion. I'm not saying you're wrong, but in my eyes, no. I'm in my there's a discussion. You can convince me because I'm not super passionate about that. But in my eyes, I think they got it right. I think Oklahoma was better. I think that the Big Twelve was better than the Pac-12. And I think that they showed it every week, week in and week out. Yeah. And I think yeah. that Oklahoma, they lost one fluky game. 
and then they rolled through the rest. And then yeah. they even beat the team that they lost to. Yeah, but I guess Oklahoma, Big 12 was good. I mean, you had yeah. I mean, you know, the Baylor was good. Oklahoma was good. Texas was overrated as shit, but they're still Texas. You know right. what I mean? Kansas State was better than expected. Yeah, I guess that's my point though. Is like if you if you eliminate non-conference games, there's no way to compare those conferences together. So you have five five power five conferences. So let's say you have you know Ohio State goes undefeated, Alabama goes undefeated, Oklahoma goes undefeated, Clemson goes undefeated, and Oregon goes undefeated. One of those five teams isn't going to make it. How do you know which team is better? They so they do need to explain the playoffs. I'm yeah. with you there. I'm with you there. I think that they do need to explain the playoffs. Yeah. This would be a great time to do it, especially if you cut down to like nine games or something like that and you just add, add yeah. another round or two in the playoffs. That would be huge. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I said that from the beginning. They need they need to expand the playoffs for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because you're right. Because the Pac-12 did get. I mean, they got they did get screwed. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that they got it right last year, but the Pac-12 yeah. did get screwed. Oregon slips up one. I mean, you know, because I don't think the or, the Auburn game should really count. You know what I mean? Right. Why why does the why does the Auburn game count? Uh, Oklahoma didn't didn't play nobody out of conference worth of shit. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. or Auburn, Oregon gets dinged. It just doesn't make any sense. But yeah. with that yeah. said, I do. I with that said, I do think Oklahoma's better. But I definitely see your argument. Yeah, for sure. It's the, it's the whole it's the whole SEC argument too. Is oh well well we know that the SEC is the best. So let's put three SEC teams in the playoffs. Why? Why would you do that? We have no idea. Those teams already played each other. We know that LSU is better than Alabama. We saw it with our own eyes. Do we have to watch it two more times? Does right. that make sense? Why don't you give someone else another crack? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with yeah, you there. Absolutely. But back, back to back to the Browns because this just came across my phone. Did you see where the Browns are supposedly seriously interested in signing Jason Peters? I did see that. I, I think they're like one of four or five teams that have have you know supposedly reached out and had conversations with Peters. I don't know where Peters fits in on this offensive Me line. Either. Frankly, I, I don't Me understand either. it. Unless but, they play him at left tackle and let Wills learn the position, but yeah. I'd rather spend that money on Clowney to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I get, I get, I get that. But yeah, at this point, I don't think that signing makes a whole lot of sense. No, I, I would rather have Clowney. Then I saw some BS uh, rumor about some kind of trade, trading. Uh, you, I, you, I know you already saw the trading. Yeah. The Browns were going to trade Garrett and Vernon for KJ Wright. And their first and second, I don't remember what was it. Was it? Like, a, like a second and a seventh or second and a fifth or something like that. Started from some absurd. dude on Reddit, dude. Yeah, it was absolutely absurd. That's why I, I saw somebody responded like, why, why, what the hell were the Seahawks thinking? They could have thrown in a seventh rounder and got Nick Chubb, too. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, that funny. was absurd. But yeah, that ain't happening. It's wild, man. Yeah. yeah, dude. We we I I'm I'm hoping this coronavirus thing goes away because we really do need football to return and we need uh we yeah. need something, man. Yeah, I, I, need, I need to go back to work. I can't work from home no more, dude. <laughs> you losing your mind? Oh, I do. I I can't do it no more, man. I can't do it. I'm dying. Dogs barking every two seconds. My girlfriend's still unemployed, so she's just going. Are you done with work yet? <laughs> it's a beautiful day outside. Let's go for a walk. No, damn it! I got a job. <laughs> Uh, but gotta go back man yeah absolutely all righty man well we're right at 40 minutes man i think we gave the people what they wanted tonight well i don't know if we gave them what they wanted but let's we we gave ourselves a nice little test run here and if 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 the recording saved this time i'll go ahead and post it and people let (laughs) us know what you want to hear i think we're gonna have a guest on next week i reached out to a couple people and they responded uh they were actually asked to be on this week and i was like i don't know if everything works so i'll get back to you 
<laughs> so I'll try to schedule something next week. But yeah, hit, hit us up if you want to talk about. Uh, let us know what you want to hear about. If you want yeah. to hear more about the XFL saga, the more about the CFL saga, want us to keep you updated on that stuff, let us know. Or yeah. if you just want me to shut up about that stuff and just talk about <laughs> NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got, I'm working on, obviously I've got all my dynasty fantasy ratings done. I'm working on my season long, my redraft. So I got all that stuff coming, coming in the pipeline. If you guys want to talk about that too, just or hit me up on Twitter or whatever. What we, what you really need to do too, is that there's only nine teams in the CFL. Yeah. There's no reason that you can't make us millionaires <laughs> bet on the CFL yeah. with, your, with your goddamn spreadsheets. Well, but all right, this was the Browns Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Keatley. You can follow me on Twitter at JoshKeatley16. Um, I just actually wrote an article about the Antonio Callaway situation. You can look at my sky reports on Solomon Ajayi, Alex Taylor. I got a couple other ones in the bank in regard to these undrafted free agents. Adam, what do you got going on? Hey man, I, not as much as you, obviously, but uh, you're you're just a, a machine out there cranking out these articles and these scattering reports. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter more two one zero two m o o r e two one zero two. Not posting as much of interesting you know stuff and articles that Josh is, but uh, yeah, you can definitely find me over there. Hit me up and talk about whatever you want. Hit us up on Facebook too. All right, we're out. Sure.